Hey everyone, and welcome to SermonCast, a Cheyenne Hills podcast where you can find the message portion of our services each week. We hope this gives you the opportunity to better digest the teaching portion of our services, whether listening to them again or hearing them for the first time. Truth, it's not complicated. Opinions are one thing, this food I like, this I hated, but truth is much simpler, it can't be debated. The truth should be anything but complicated. Like roses are red, violets are blue, it's ridiculously clear, color that statement true. But hold up, wait a minute. What if my red's your blue? What if your rose is my tulip, your violet my daisy? What if I reject the idea of colors or flowers? You see, truth can get crazy. But if truth's based on feelings, while we're towing that line, if you make your own truth up, can I make up mine? If your two squared is four, can my two squared be nine? Would that be okay? The math's gone. Next in line. History, right? If I choose with all my spirit and might to convince you the North and South didn't fight, if I could persuade you with emotions and music that I was in the theater that night to see what John Wilkes Booth did and you believed it, would that be truth then? If all truth is just a house of cards, when one ace falls over, the whole castle falls hard. Is truth even noble? If not, is there such thing as an education? Is there use in talking salvation? A senior wouldn't really have a graduation from anything real, just four years of misinformation. Can truth be trusted if it's open to interpretation? If all truth is relative, the truth ceases to be. Except for the truth that is true just for me, you see, Truth is more complex than you thought it would be. Have we become so numb to the ramblings of culture that we eat what it tells us like ill-advised vultures? If truth goes away, there's confusion and pain when right and wrong are opinions. The chaos will reign. We experience sickness of body and brain. Brother killing brother like Abel and Cain. Civil unrest. Lord send justice like rain. And the horror repeats itself like a haunting refrain. Enter Jesus. You ask him, you know what he'd say? I am the truth and the life and the way. (laughs) Did you catch that pattern? The way, the truth, the life. Light cuts through our darkness like an overpriced knife. The way, not a way, the life, not a life, and the truth, not a truth. And with that, he puts all opposing ideas into a scandalous group. He says quite simply, if it ain't me, it ain't true. Complicated? No. Truth isn't complicated. It's just been hijacked. It's time to start over, refocus, and take it back. I know, I know. It's a scandalous claim. Can a man really say he and truth are the same? More than a scandal. It's brazen. It's shameless. It's bold. But it's worth our time to find out. We might see. Truth be told, the truth might just set you free. All truth is God's truth, as long as it's true truth. The question is, do you believe that is true? We started this truth series, it's kind of a, kind of a we kind of backed into it, if you want to, I'll just tell you a little bit how the sausage made is a, a little bit, because bring this idea, I had this idea of a, a series, actually, maybe we could do a, a May, June series about what 
Jesus said to his disciples, his disciples were asking a question I think we're all asking. Is this the time? Is this the time of the end? How will we know when that time comes? And Jesus says the first thing that came, comes out of his mouth in Matthew chapter 24 to answer his, these guys' question is this. Watch out that no one deceives you. And I've been thinking a lot about that deception. I think we all are deceived in various different ways. I, I, I know that I don't, I don't have all the truth all the time about everything. Should we wear masks or not wear masks? Should we be vaccinated or not vaccinated? I mean, I have opinions. And sometimes you get to see my opinions because some of that is actually fleshed out in what we do and how we conduct ourselves. But does that mean that I have all the truth about all? No, we do the very best we can to understand those things in life. I can't find mask or not mask in Scripture, okay? So we have to, kind of, we have to deal with things like that, those with God's truth in a, in a different kind of way, or maybe find a, a different kind of passage that gives us wisdom towards some of these things. And watch out that no one deceives you. So instead of talking about deception for eight weeks, because all everyone kind of groans a little bit, and like, oh, I'm not sure if that's a great, you know, they're really nice to me because they don't make pastor, that's a bad idea. No one's super truthful. <laughs> they say things like, are uh, you sure that, you know, deception for eight weeks could be kind of a lot, maybe just like, just thought. And I thought, you know what, you're right. Well, the opposite of, of deception is truth. What if we, and then another idea, what if we do a truth series? And what if it's broken up into this groups of truth and this group of truth and this group of truth? And we talk about God's truth in different kinds of ways and aspects and call it a trilogy of truth. And that's kind of how the sausage made around here. Right after that decision was made, our uh, Casey is our, our video guy. He gets a, vi gets a text from a friend of his, and he says, hey, I made this video. I'd like for you to check it out and see what you think. You just saw that video of his buddy in California that put that together. Casey brings that back and says, guys, I think we got some confirmation we're on the right track. Isn't that cool how that works? It's, it's kind of funny. Sometimes you get to, when you see how the sausage is made, you get to see the process and you see, wow, I think God just injected himself into this whole mix. Confirmed the direction we were going and what a, what a powerful picture and, uh, that his, his friend put together and, and allowed us to use to, for our church and our services here. Watch out that no one deceives you. One of the things I talked about last week of deception is the, within the church, I think there's two bumpers, if you will. One extreme is cheap grace. The other extreme was legalism. Remember we talked about that last week if you were here? And I talked about the, the problem of cheap grace. I think that is a, a deception within the church. We've got to be sure that we're not deceived with cheap grace. In other words, okay, you've got your ticket to heaven. You can live however you want. Because God's going to forgive you. That's cheapening the blood of Christ, cheap grace. That's what that's called. Okay? The other would be legalism. In other words, you have to set a certain stand, a standard of man's rules. And if you do these rules perfectly and you keep these things perfectly, keep the Ten Commandments, then that's legalism. And then it's based on my being able to check those boxes off, I'm okay. Well, that's deception. Jesus spoke a lot to the Pharisees about that deception. So I said, it's right in between here, not in the middle of these two, not trying to compromise these two, but 
transcending this, that, that Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. The gospel, the true gospel is that the righteous died for the unrighteous so that the unrighteous could stand before a holy God. There's no other way. That's the gospel. There's no other way that you and I could stand before a holy God without the blood of Christ. Right? And then so we, if we accept this gift of salvation, this, his redemption, he propitiated the, the wrath that God has towards sin in himself on the cross. He rose three days later, and he's coming back. That's the gospel. Now, if that resonates in your soul somewhere, and you go, oh, yeah, I get that. That's, I'm going to talk about that resonating, and it's important. So keep that in mind as we go through this. Another thing I want to talk to you about is um, a deception that I see coming on the horizon. I've actually mentioned it before, so it's not the first time, but there's a lot of things going on in our world. And if you've been paying attention, you realize this question, is this, is this the time of his coming, is, is a pertinent question. There's a lot of biblical prophecy being fulfilled in our day, and I've talked about some of it. There's some that's happening so fast, it's like it's sometimes kind of hard to keep up. But it makes you think that the disciples were asking a similar question that we're asking, and you know, it's been 2,000 years since the disciples asked that question, and I don't know if it's 2,000 years or not, but it's a pertinent question. Is this the time of your coming? And Jesus says, watch out that no one deceives you. One of the things that's deceptive is that the Bible talks about this one world religion that's going to happen. That's the end times. You get the, the revelation. Just recently in Abu Dhabi, in 2022, they're supposed to open this thing up. You can Google it and find it for yourself. It's called the Abraham Fam um, Family House. It's uh, three different uh, buildings on this property, huge, massive, beautiful fortresses. One is a Muslim mosque. One is a church. The Pope's involved with that, Catholic church. And one is a Jewish synagogue. And they're all on the same it's on an island in just off out the coast of Adu, Dubai, is what I understand. And you can go look in pictures. And basically, basically what they're saying is we want to coexist. We want to live together in peace. Nothing wrong with those things, by the way. I would say, wow, good. We need to live in peace. We should be seeking peace. But if... If the church is to compromise, which I'm just going to let you decide. You can look it up yourself. I'm not going to stand here and say what it is or isn't. I, I've got my strong opinion. You probably just guessed it. But here's what I, I don't think this is going to be written anywhere in this church. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Not a way. If he would have said a way, we could get along with a whole bunch of people. But he said the way, the truth. Now we've got to grapple with that truth. Well, what does that mean for people? I, you know what? I would prefer not to even go there. I just want to say, um, I'm, got, I'm just going to present you the truth. This is the truth of God's word, and this is, he said this is his word. He's, it's God-breathed. Uh, he stands behind it. Now you have to decide if that's true truth for you. Are you going to accept that as truth? Here's what we do with truth. And so anyway, you can look at that. It's called Abraham Family House. There's this idea that we all have Father Abraham, and that's true. The, uh, the Muslims claim uh, Abraham as their father. The, the Jews claim Abraham as their father. The Christians claim Abraham as their father. So there's that, certainly that truth. 
um, be interesting to see what comes of, of this. And it's supposed to open in 2022. I couldn't figure out if it's opened yet or not. So there you go. Just be watching. It's on the horizon. But I think we can all be deceived when it comes to truth. Now, this is, I believe this is God-breathed. Does that mean I live every bit of this perfectly? No. But it means when I'm confronted with something, and it's like, okay, I see it. I've got to do something in my inside here to change either my behavior or an attitude. Usually it's an attitude. Often it's a behavior. But that's what this truth does for us. And so we say, this is God's truth, and here's, here's man's, God's truth and man's truth, okay? Man's experience. And we have to decide if we're going to let God's truth be the filter with which we look at man's experience. Now, I have to admit, I've got some experiences that I don't fully understand. I've got some why questions that I don't understand. I don't have everything figured out, the, the experiences that I've had. But, but I will tell you, I do the very best I can to say I'm going to look at my experience through God's truth. And if I don't have an answer to it, I'm just going to hold it on the shelf and say, I don't know, God will answer that somehow, some way. But I do the very best I can to say, I'm going to live my life through the lens of God's truth the best we can. It's hard. Now, others say, no, I'm going to kind of weigh it. I'm going to kind of consult God's truth. And when it doesn't really match up with my experience and my feelings, my emotion, I'm, I can kind of go back and forth. So they get this slinky thing kind of going on. There's people that do this, right? And there's some that just like, you know, I don't believe this is God's truth. I'm going to live life through my lens, how I feel, and from my vantage point, okay? So those are the, th the three major camps that you're going to see on display in our world today. And it was on display in the world that Jesus lived as well. Turning your Bibles to John chapter 8, I'm going to start reading to verse 39. I'm going to spend most of the time in John chapter 8, so if you want to open it up there, I'm going to read a couple of different sections, and then we're going to go back to, uh, but it's all in John chapter 8. And I want to talk about three things. I want to talk about truth. The next section talks about lies. And the next section, I want to talk about freedom. First is truth. John chapter 8, verse 39. They answered him, Abraham is our father. They are the Pharisees. He's talking with the Pharisees. And so he says, they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works that Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your, what your father did. They said to him, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? This truth that Jesus was proclaiming to them did not resonate with them, did it? And I, I don't, even, don't even know exactly where you're going. They couldn't pick up on the nuances. And he comes after them pretty hard to say, well, you're not even, if you can't grasp this truth, that proves that you're not of, of God. It's a powerful picture. If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. And these guys were rejecting 
Jesus' truth. Every one of us has the choice whether we're going to believe God's truth or we're going to believe man's truth or some combination in between. Augustine wrote in the 4th century, he says, and he's really the guy that championed this idea that all truth is God's truth. This is how he said it. He said, nay, but let every good and true Christian understand that wherever truth may be found, it belongs to his master. He's saying, in effect, all truth is God's truth. He came up with that in the 4th century. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 23, we find out who the, the, the wisest and the richest man that ever lived, King Solomon. And King Solomon has a lot to do with our understanding of truth. Let's see what it says. It says, Thus King Solomon excelled, at, excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. It is said that, that King Solomon had more wealth than any king before or after. Now, I don't know if he was compared to Elon Musk or not, but I mean, he, apparently, he had more wealth and people would travel from all over to come see the magnificence and the beauty of Solomon's temple and the city of, da the city of David. Let's take a look. We've got a couple of pictures here. I don't know which one's first. There's the, there's the temple. Now, this is a, obviously a uh, mock-up. You can go. This is actually standing. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, about the size, oh, it's about the size of this section. And the whole town, city of Jerusalem is in this miniature form, so you can kind of see the layout. It's really, it's really interesting. But this is a, a depiction of the measurements and everything as accurate as possible of Solomon's temple. And you can see the gold in it. It's, it was magnificent. It's still magnificent today. But if you would have seen it in that day, you would have sojourned from, a, from Egypt or Ethiopia or Turkey or wherever they sojourned from, uh, the, the Far East, Middle East, they would have come and seen this magnificent temple that Solomon built. The wealthiest man. This is the city of David. You can see the temple kind of in the middle of there. This is a, uh, what they thought it prob probably looked like in that particular day. So that's an artist's rendering of... But it was a marvelous city, Jerusalem. And people came from all over. And when they came, they would, they would share their truth. They would share their stories. They would share things like science and math and, and stories and fables and parables and all kinds of things they would share because they wanted to offer a little, they wanted to contribute something to what the, what's going on here. And they could see it was from God. They want to contribute their part and have their part in it. They would sojourn there. Chuck Swindoll talks about this uh, even impacting our scripture. He believes that Proverbs, um, the scholars believe that Proverbs chapter 22, 17 through 24, 34, it's a, it's a group of Proverbs that's called the words of the wise or the words of the sages. And it basically has a, comp, many people believe it's a compilation of wisdom that possibly came from near and far that was true truth. And was pinned and in our scriptures because all truth is God's truth. And this was true truth and it made it into the book. There's two other uh, 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 Proverbs. Ch Proverbs chapter 30 was written by Augur. Don't know who that guy is really. King Lemuel wrote Proverbs 31. The Proverbs 31 woman. That is another, who, you know, exactly where he came from. We're not sure. But these were, these were, some of these materials came from near and far, and it's kind of interesting to see, but it proves this idea that all truth is God's truth. 
2 plus 2 equals 4 when they built the pyramids, and it also equals 4 when they were building Solomon's temple. And they would bring their mathematic prowess. Here's what we have learned. Here's what we know. It's kind of fascinating time. Ecclesiastes, is, this is, a, I think, a, one of those passages that, that I would guess that actually shows you how the sausage was made, if you want to, to look at it that way, and, and compiling some of this wisdom literature. Ecclesiastes 10 and 1 was written by Solomon, and I believe that it could have possibly come from one of these. It says, dead flies make a perfumer's ointment give off a stench. You know, wow, wasn't that profound. You got chills right there, I bet. But think about it. There's somebody that probably came from another country, and what they wanted to bring is this, this ointment that smelled just divine. And they had some kind of container, and they brought this, and may, who knows, maybe they opened it up. It's like, oh, my gosh, it had flies around the top of the lid. And there's a truth. Here's the truth. You ready for the truth again? Dead flies make a perfumer's ointment give off a stench. Now, here's the application, and I would guess, I'm just guessing, but here's what I think Solomon probably did. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Oh, I get it. You can be a, live an honorable life all your life. You can live a life above reproach. You can live this honorable life and have all this, but the last lap of your life be filled with dead flies, and the whole of your life when it's sniffed, it's going to smell like dead flies and not this perfumer's ointment. Does it matter that we finish well? Yeah. Is that truth? So it's kind of, kind of natural and organic, and you can actually see it written out some places. I think that's an, an example of the kinds of things and the way that some of this truth came from near and far. Well, Jesus brought truth. He brought truth from a distant kingdom. He brought, brought truth from his father's kingdom, his kingdom. And then he tells them, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Can you imagine the disciples sitting around there and saying, show us the Father. Listen, if you've seen me, he says, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. You talk about blow your mind. But that was his truth. The question is, can you grapple, can you accept, can you realize that truth. Let's talk a little bit about lies. A lot, a lot easier with lies, talking about lies. John chapter 8, verse 43. Let's pick up the action there. Because now he is explaining to them. I'm going to overlap a little bit. He says, why do you not understand what I say? He's talking to the Pharisees still. It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. You know, under the category of winning friends and influencing people, this is not it. You are of your father, the devil. Can you imagine? He's sending for all these Pharisees, robed, garbed, tinsel, I mean, all embroidered kind of things, and these big headpieces, and this one, these long robes in front of these massive structures, governmental structures. He says, you can't handle the truth of my word because you are of your father, the devil. We were, they thought they were going to say Abraham. Nope. He goes to a whole nother place. It's because you, not can bear, you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you, your will is to do your father's desire. He's a murderer from the beginning. and does not stand in the truth 
because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. The NIV says it this way. When he, when he lies, he speaks his native tongue. I like that. Every time he speaks, he's speaking his native tongue a lie or a half-truth, as Eve found out. Verse 45, but because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Wow. He's pointing out where lies come from. And he's pointing out that you Pharisees, you're living out a lie. And you're not living out the truth. The research department got me some information from Gary Smalley, and I'm going to pass on to you because it's important that you know that I did not make up this list. The research department did not make up the list, but the research department showed me the list. I think it's important that I give that as a disclaimer. Here's what Gary Smalley writes. He says, lying is almost always about protecting self. When you're tempted to lie, we can, we can ask ourselves, what does this fib do for me? Then we can ask, what are our personal and relational costs of this lie? So one guy came to him and he said, uh, he talked about this lie. And he said, his wife came, would often tell him to go pick up something at the store or whatever. And he has the best intentions of doing it. He was to, to pick up the basketball tickets or pick, pick up a birthday card during his lunch. And then he'd forget temporarily to do it. But he said, I, I tell her it's done, even though I know that it's not exactly true. Because I'm still planning to get it done, he tells him. I just don't want to disappoint her and to make her mad at me. I feel bad, but it doesn't feel like a lie. Because I know I'm going to get it done as soon as possible. So I think these lies, I mean, I mean, outright lies are one thing, but these white lies in the middle, what about those? I mean, are those, are those even, do they even count? Now Gary Smalley is addressing this. And he gives us some ideas about these white lies. They infiltrate every marriage. In fact, there's a research, American research, that says on the average, Americans lie one or two times a day. Fibs aren't always intentionally malicious, he writes. Sometimes they use lies to flatter. So these, this is a list. Are you, here's a, this is his list. I just thought... These are the kind of those things that fall into that gray area. No, you don't look fat in that outfit. <laughs> Gary Smalley wrote the list. I'm just reading it. Research department gave it to me. Don't, don't forget, I just told you that. Wow, that meal was delicious. Maybe sometimes we try to rationalize, especially when it comes to dollars. It only costs like $50. I wasn't checking her out. I was just looking at those weird shoes. <laughs> I love your new haircut. No, honey, I would love to watch that Hallmark movie with you. <laughs> okay, so the, what do you do with those? You know, if you, if you be real honest with yourself, the main beneficiary of lies is to benefit ourselves. We don't want to... We don't want conflict. We want to just kind of, 
keep this okay, right? So I'm, I'm not suggesting that we do some kind of, you know, tell everything that's on our mind. You know, there's a danger in that. You can't just... But I think that we, we don't want to fail. We don't want to be, disappoint people. But at the same time, we've got to try to be authentic as we possibly can. If we can't speak the truth, maybe you shouldn't say anything at all. That's what mom says. Because lying, here's three things that he, he mentions. Two, actually, and I added one to it. But lying creates a slippery slope. We tell one white lie, and then it slips into another lie to cover up that lie. And then, boy, you can get into a spiral. And then if you ever have to go back and fix all that, oh, it's hard. Oh, No, I actually, I actually, you know, you have to go clear back to the beginning. And nobody wants to do that. So you just deal with all the complication of that lie. This is, this is where the, that, that verse we're kind of come up to, but the truth will set you free. It's the idea. It's like, just, just be truthful. You know, one of the things I tell couples when I'm marriage counseling, I think it's the most important thing we, we could do if we could just remember this for our marriages. Just these three little words, please, thank you, and I'm sorry. We do that with everybody else that we work with in the, in the business world or people we come in contact with, but with our spouse or people close to us, we don't use please, thank you, and I'm sorry. Some people have such a difficult time of even, it can't even form the words, I'm sorry. Because it would be admitting something. To learn to, you can say, you know what, I really, I really messed that up and I am sorry. I did that because I was trying to, I don't know, save my hide and I didn't want to conflict. I don't know. Whatever kind of honesty is necessary, I think you need to try to deal with that. Because that truth is what will finally set you free. Lying creates cracks in the foundation of trust. And you know this, trust is so fragile. Trust can be damaged so easily. And if you start doing white lies and get caught in a white lie, that damages, maybe the white lie is not that big a deal, but it can damage trust. And that's a big deal. Trust takes a long time to repair. Lying is sometimes the easiest way out. But this careless transparency I was talking about, you shouldn't necessarily say everything that's on your mind. Just because it came to your brain doesn't mean it needs to come out. It needs some wisdom. White lies could lead to dark problems. I like that. It gets Gary Smalley, and he said, you know, if we add up these white lies, it can add to a lot of dark problems. That dark problem, and one of them is trust. Jesus says this, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. We live in a society where people say, yeah, I'll be there, and then we're not there. Just a phone call. We got text for crying out loud. If you're driving up and down the street that I drive on, you're texting while you're driving. You could just simply tell them, since you're texting all the time and you're driving all the time, you could just say, hey, I'm sorry, I'm going to be late. Or I'm not going to make it. We don't do that anymore, do we? Now, why don't we do that? Because we don't want to look bad. We don't, I don't know why. And you don't even need to give a reason. You just need to say, hey, just want you to know I'm not going to make it. Sorry. Really sorry. Next time. Whatever. But we do things so we just want to cover up. And I would just tell you, it's got to be different than that, you know, on the little things. And if you can get this idea of overcoming and having freedom on some of these little things, you're going to see that you can be authentic there. It's like, oh, I can be authentic on the big things. 
Let's go back to John chapter 8, because this is where it starts. Jesus starts this conversation with them in verse 31. He says this, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And slave, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do, not, and you do what you have heard from your father. Now we know who he's talking about. He says, I've come from the kingdom. I and the father are actually one. I'm speaking to you what I've seen from the father. This is his word. This is kingdom stuff. Not easy, but kingdom stuff, kingdom truth. And he says, the reason that you can't handle this truth is because you're not from the father. You're from your father. And we know now it's the devil. What a sharp contrast. What hard words. Wow. So what about us? First of all, this freedom. I think this idea of being able to practice this authentic, uh, I'm sorry, I messed that one up. Uh, please forgive me. And those can go a long way. Uh, it's so rare. And I think when you feel it, you go, oh, I get it now. It's just, it just sets you free. You're freed from that person. I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want you to be disappointed. I didn't want to say anything because I know it would make you mad. Just, if you can get through that stuff, it will, there's freedom. It's like, no, I, I appreciate you telling me that. Usually that doesn't come through a text very well. It needs to be verbalized, in my opinion. I talked to Jode, we're talking about CR, and he's, he talks a lot about the power of speaking that sin out, whether it's an addiction to something, and actually being detailed about that. Maybe it's addiction with alcohol, or addiction to uh, drugs, or addiction to pornography. Speaking that out to another person of the same sex, to say, this is my, this is my struggle. This is, the, this is the sin that's kept me in bondage. And, I, and as soon as someone comes out of that and feels the freedom, man, they are so, they're so open. You have to almost be it's like, oh, I'm not ready for this yet. Because it's like, I don't want to go back into that cage. That cage is a trap. And I spoke the truth and it set me free. And they want others to be free as well. Because if we be honest, we're all in some kind of trap. And I will tell you that secrecy and that darkness and the silence, there's no freedom there. Something that God's telling and Jesus is telling us through his truth is this truth, truth will set you free. Today we're going to have several that are going to publicly make their profession of faith before God in this Baptist school. I don't believe this is salvation, but I believe when they stand before God and they're saying, I profess that Jesus is my Savior, they're making a bold stand. And I will tell you what happens to people, and it happened to me too. When I was baptized, just this obedient step, it's like there's a boldness that comes into your soul. 
Like I was, I was able to stand before this group of people and say, Jesus is my Lord. All of a sudden, it's not so hard to take this Jesus outside of these walls in my world and to say, you know what? This matters. Jesus matters to my life, and I'm going to tell you about him. It's the freedom, and they come out of that cage of silence, and they're like, I'm free and bold. If you don't know for sure if you're a follower of Christ, I would invite you to, to pray with me today. I, I, we, I was at a, yesterday I was at a golf tournament, uh, FCA golf tournament. Great day. Perfect day, actually. It was awesome. Not a perfect golf game, but perfect day. Let's just focus on the day, the weather and all that. It was perfect. Um, no, it was a lot of fun. This guy, right before the tournament, um, he came up to me and he says, he says his name to me. And he shook my hand. And I knew the name. And I was running through that Rolodex of my mind saying, where do I know this name from? He's probably 45 years old now. I met him when he was a 17-year-old. And he told me his name again. He said, no, and he reminded me how I knew him. He's like, oh, yeah. I, when I first came here in back in the early 90s, I was, uh, I was a defensive back coach for the, at East High School. And he was on the football team. He was a quarterback, and he played defensive back some. I invited him to an FCA thing, and he, and he found Christ through FCA. Right there at the golf tournament, he was here in Cheyenne, hadn't been back a lot, but he's here, I think there was a 5K or something yesterday, and he ran in that 5K or whatever it was, and then he was eating lunch out at the, the golf deal, and he heard my name as I was checking in, he said, because he said he didn't recognize my face, which I kind of understand that, but anyway, it was a long time ago, and, he's, and he said, so are you, are you Galen Huck? I said, yeah, and then he told me a story. He couldn't finish his story. Because one day, somewhere back when he was 17, he got introduced to Christ. And he's a follower of Christ now in another state. And his son's grown up, and his son is a follower of Christ. Actually, in kind of investigating the ministry of all things. This, this, this prayer that I'm getting ready to challenge you with will change your life forever. When you allow the truth of God's word to come into your soul and, it, and set you free, you are free indeed. You're free from sin. You're free from those dark caverns of, of addiction or whatever it may be. You're free. If you don't know that freedom, I'd like for you to pray with me today. If you don't know that freedom, you can come and pray this prayer and come be baptized today. You'll be set free. It's a simple prayer. It's not the words, it's your heart. Pray with me. It goes like this. Father in heaven, I, as I bring this group of people before, this congregation before you, Lord, I bet there's someone in this room that says, you know, I'm not, I've not made this public. I've not prayed this prayer. And God, if there's a way that you can make, if you can touch my life, here's how it goes. It goes like this. Jesus, I know I've sinned. And, and Lord, you know everything. You know there's, there's dark corners of my life that I don't, I, don't want, I don't let any light into. But I believe you know every one of those corners of my jail cell. And Lord, I, I want to confess. I, I know I get it. That's a, a sin, and I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. 
And I believe that Jesus Christ died to set the sinner free. And, and to, he busted open that jail cell so that I could, I believe that. But Lord, I, I want more than just believe. I want to receive this gift. I want to be set free. Your word says, if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Lord, I, I need that freedom. I want that freedom. I want to receive this gift of forgiveness, this gift of salvation, this gift of eternal life. Lord, I want to be free. If you prayed that prayer and you opened up that, that, that jail cell just got busted open, step out into that freedom. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for that young man that came and told me that story. It just reminded me one more time. That's, this is no joke. This stuff changes lives. This, this freedom, this forgiveness, this eternal life is real. God, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for those that are making their stand before you today. Lord, I pray that somehow the heavens open up and they just sense your pleasure for each one of them as they come in and they make their stand before you today. Pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, 